Welcome to the Council Podcast. I'm your host, Mel Scott, Senior Legal Counsel at a global technology company based in Brisbane, Australia. I'm passionate about all things in-house and I'm so excited to share insights, interview key people in our profession and demystify in-house practice. My guest today is Callie Sapedis. Callie is legal counsel at Foxtel Group, working across the Fox Sports Australia, KO Sports, Binge, Flash, and Foxtel brands. Oh, wow. (laughs) She advises the sports content and production, sales, partnerships, digital, product, marketing, and service care teams. Now, in 2021, Callie had a pretty epic year. She was awarded both the Rising Star of the Year in-house and in-house Lawyer of the Year awards at the Lawyers Weekly Women in Law Awards. She was also a finalist across multiple categories in the Lawyers Weekly Women Law Awards, Australian Law Awards, Corporate Council Awards, and 30 Under 30 Awards. Clearly, she's doing something right. Callie has also served as the chair of the Kamla Young Lawyers Committee in 2020 and 2021. I reached out to her kind of cold. We, we don't know each other, but I just felt like she's a kindred spirit and I needed to hear what she's doing to create such recognition in the profession. And let me tell you, this interview did not disappoint. Callie is a rock star and she totally gets how to add the most value to a business as an in-house lawyer. Her passion for sports and media and just life shines through. I have no doubt that you will enjoy this episode with Callie Sapedis. This episode of Council is brought to you by Markster. Markster provides dynamic trademark services to modern in-house legal teams. Current practices force already busy in-house teams to spend more time than necessary managing their trademark portfolios. In-house teams have to keep track of deadlines and to-do lists, and Markster saves time with automated workflows and reminders, and the ability for the legal team and the business to self-serve on straightforward tasks. I love how much time Markster has saved me in handling our large trademark portfolio. Find out more at markster.com.au or reach out to Kate and the team. Their contact details are in the show notes. I would also like to thank InCouncil for supporting this episode. InCouncil provides people and tech solutions for in-house legal teams. They provide you access to a high-caliber panel of sole practitioners, which includes a lot of former in-house lawyers who can help you with ad hoc matters or ongoing support. They also specialize in helping GCs select, set up, and integrate the best tools and technologies. Go to incouncil.com.au to find out more. If you aren't already subscribed to InCouncil Weekly, you are missing out. I always look forward to it landing in my inbox. It is a weekly email with bite-sized insights for in-house counsel and creative legal minds. You can find the link to sign up in the show notes. Callie, welcome. Thank you for being here. Hello, Mel. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. We have circled around each other online and you're one of those people in my orbit that I'm aware of doing amazing things, but we haven't actually met before. So here we are. And thank you for just saying yes, because it was a bit of a cold call, but I so appreciate you coming and and sharing your story today. 
Oh, thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. And yeah, it's always fantastic to meet wonderful people in the industry. And it's such an honor to be featured on your podcast. So thank you. Awesome. Callie, let's jump straight into it. I'm going to ask you if you had a limitless credit card, could only spend it at one shop, what shop would that be and why? Oh, I have to say of all the questions, this was so difficult because I just can't make decisions about shopping things, but I'm hungry at the moment. So I'm going to say somewhere that would give me lots of tasty treats and food because can't go wrong with that. Give me, get me to the confectionery or chocolate aisle at like a Woolies right now and I would go absolutely crazy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You're very, very easily pleased. I think we can we can make that happen. I think that would be pretty easy. I don't think I'd need a limitless credit card either to be satisfied with a nice shop at Woolworths. <laughs> Fantastic. So Kelly, can you tell us what was your first legal role and then how did you make the jump in-house? So I don't think I've spoken about my first ever legal role much before, and that's because it's very different to the work that I moved into later on. So when I was at uni, a lot of my friends were getting internships here and there, and I thought, oh, I'll try it at at a local firm. It was a small firm, and they did a lot of commercial, civil work, a lot of car accident claims. So I spent my days taking witness statements, filing court paperwork, and doing little admin work around the office. It was a really good introduction to the law because... I never really set foot in a courthouse other than in legal studies in year 11 before. (laughs) So that was really good just to understand the process that goes on behind the scenes. That was only for about six or so months. And then I jumped into a registration clerk role at a mid-tier firm in the city. And that was great exposure because I saw a bit of commercial law, litigation and property law. And that was one of those roles where you kind of did everything, running files up to court, sending the post and DX at the end of the day, but then also assisting with things like property settlements, research tasks, land and environment court matters, small civil claims, and got a good taste for what was going on in all those different fields. And I'm a huge sports fan and an opportunity to do an internship came up at Football Federation Australia and this was in my final year of studies. Actually, it was towards the end of my final year of studies as well. I was doing College of Law and I was still working at this mid-tier firm at the time and I asked if I could balance my work and do a couple days at the firm and a couple days of an internship and they were very lovely and said, yes, of course, we know you're very passionate about that. So... I took the opportunity at FFA, loved it. I'd just done a sports law elective at uni as well, and I thought, this is it, this is fantastic. And I was just itching to keep working in-house, but it was just an internship, and I knew that. Finished up, went back to the firm, and thought, okay, I'll work in commercial law. There'll be an opportunity that comes up one day, I'm sure. And as luck would have it, I think the universe was listening to me, a junior legal counsel role popped up at Fox Sports Australia, just as I had kind of graduated uni and been admitted. And I was I was over the moon that the opportunity came up. It was fantastic timing, Mel. Oh, my goodness. And I jumped at it. And I think my passion kind of jumped off the page a little bit. But I also had a bit of experience at FFA beforehand, which obviously did help. And that's how I jumped in-house. So I got a nice little taster of it. But I definitely got a good taste of, you know, private practice life, but not as a lawyer, as a paralegal and a clerk. But yeah, I just, I loved the in-house taster that I got at FFA and I've been at Fox Sports since. So practically speaking, how did you find out about the internship? I was very keen, very eager. I was looking online at all the different governing bodies at their opportunities. I knew that FFA had 
regular internship opportunities coming up. I just wasn't sure of their timing or their turnaround. It looked like they were never timed. It was just subject to obviously availabilities of the of the juniors that were there in the positions. So I just kept an eye on the websites, really. And, you know, it became like a fortnightly thing. Oh, let me just check Football Australia. Let me check the NRL. Let me check Cricket Australia. Let me check Rugby Australia. And yeah, I have to say there were a lot of great opportunities there for internships. And I'm really glad that I kept an eye on it because if I had it, and I'm sure someone else would have snapped up the opportunity. And I'm sure that a lot of people applied. So I'm very fortunate, I think, to have gotten a go because it is, I think, a very popular industry to work in, in sports and in-house. So... Yeah, that's how I found out about that one. Good for you. It pays to to think ahead sometimes, doesn't it? And to have a sense of what drives you, what your passion is. Researching, Googling, you know, being aware, putting your feelers out there. That's a really great lesson for, for some of the law students that might be listening uh, that are thinking about next steps and forward planning, getting a sense of what's out there. And as you say, just keeping an eye on it so you don't miss those oh, like lightning strike kind of opportunities. Exactly. And I think a lot of, I'm sure a lot of lawyers now would say there are those lightning strike moments and opportunities and you have to take them when they pop up. And even though it was conflicting for me to ask my employer, who had just said, you can come and work four or five days a week now to say, look, actually, can I keep it to less days because there's this other opportunity? Obviously, that's a difficult conversation to have, but you need to be true to yourself. And I was very eager to try and pursue that opportunity and they were very supportive and I was really grateful for that. That's fantastic and good on you for backing yourself and balancing all of that with PLT at the same time. That's a lot. It was a lot. Oh my goodness. One of my um, closest friends and I were also doing like a CrossFit boot camp together at the same time and we were also doing PLT together and working and at the time, I just remember some mornings we'd look at each other at six in the morning and say, what are we doing? This is this is crazy. We've got such a big day ahead of us. We felt like super women at the end of it. We're like, how did we get through this? But I look back on that time and I think, I don't know how I did it, but I'm glad I did. It was a great experience. Wow. Just got through it, hey? I want to ask how you would describe the role of in-house counsel to someone more junior in the profession or maybe someone studying who had heard about in-house but like just didn't really know what this thing is? I think it's that's a actually great question because I didn't really understand what in-house lawyers were or did until I really was in the position. So I guess the best way I would explain it is that when you think of a lawyer generally I assume you would think of uh, someone who works in an office with other lawyers, goes to court, speaks to their clients, but, you know, and meets with them and works on their matters, their clients in a very specific area of the law. When it's in-house, you are a part of the business. Your relationship with your clients is different because your clients are your colleagues in other business units. So you need to balance your relationship with them differently to how you would if you were in private practice. So my clients are the people that sit a couple of desks away from me and work in marketing and in ad sales and in content and sport production. So it's a very different engagement that you have with them, much more informal, but you need to still ensure you're doing your best to protect their and the business's legal interests. So there's that aspect to it, which I think is a little bit more informal, but still very important. And the other aspect that I think is one that I didn't quite understand, and it does depend on where you work. When you work in-house, you're more of a generalist. You're not really a specialist, depending on 
I suppose the entity that you work for, the work that they do, and also the size of your legal team. But I would say that a lot of in-house roles require you to be a bit of a generalist because you never really know what legal issue is going to pop up. So there are days where you'll be a contract lawyer and all you're doing is going through a contract and renegotiating clauses and drafting and that sort of a thing. But there's another day where you'll be looking specifically into intellectual property issues or you'll be looking at competition and consumer issues or you know there'll be a random day where you need to solve an urgent employment law issue or a civil liability issue you never know so i think they're the key kind of components that make the in-house role very different to a private practice role Absolutely. And I often do use the analogy of a GP and a specialist brain surgeon. If we were to compare perhaps our industry to the medical industry, we, we are the GP. You come to us with, with lots of things. And at some point, we may need to engage the services of an expert, a surgeon, in which case we might brief that out to external counsel, but we'll manage that relationship for you and we'll we'll work with the specialist to get very particular subject matter expertise and roll it back in and then deliver it back to the business in a way that we know will best serve the business because we're very close to the business. As you say, we can't escape our clients. They're right next to us. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think one of the interesting things that I've learned working in-house and but. Be- Particularly, I think it helps because I work in an industry that I'm quite passionate about and I know a lot about just personally anyway, is you end up giving your clients not just legal advice, but commercial advice because you're familiar with the business and you understand the ultimate goals a lot of the time. And the questions that you're asked, you want to help your clients come to solutions because it's ultimately what is best for the business. And instead of just saying, no, this is not the correct legal route, Sometimes you say, this might not work, but why don't you try this? And you give them alternative ideas. So you wear both hats a lot of the time. You know, you're a lawyer, but you're also a commercial advisor with the legal background. And I think that lends itself to making you a better, you know, legal advisor as well. Having both kind of concepts in mind and knowing that whilst your clients are coming to you for one answer, they think it's only one thing they're coming for. There's actually a lot more to what you, what advice you're giving them. But I really love that analogy, the GP and the specialist. It's really good. Do you have to record your time? Oh, no. Oh, good. <laughs> Me neither. What a time. Oh, my goodness. That is that is a key difference. You know what? I, I don't think I really understood the jokes about recording your time until I started working. And I was a clerk, so I didn't really have to do it then. But um, yes, you do not have to record your time generally when you work in-house, which is fantastic. <laughs> but it also means that you sometimes spend a lot of time on something that doesn't really need that much time. But that just depends on the clients that you're working with as well. <laughs> And for anyone who doesn't really know what we're talking about, we are referring to the billable hour and recording your time in usually six minute increments uh, and then putting that towards a particular file. So I, I, yeah, I don't miss that life at all. I'm very glad to not to engage in that. (laughs) And you also get to work with really cool companies. And I have to say, when I think of like pretty cool things to do, your job is way up there. Can you tell us what a typical day in your legal life looks like? Like, what is a day in the life of a sports and a a media lawyer? Look, it probably sounds really glamorous. And when I first started, I was in awe because I walked into the building and you could see the studio downstairs. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is television. This is so exciting. And it is. The gloss is definitely not worn off. But being in a kind of 
corporate support role you do you're not as ingrained in the um, downstairs where the studio is I don't sit there and have to be quiet when they're going live or anything like that but it's very cool because you have on-screen talent walking around sometimes and you're typing away and you have to double take like oh my gosh it's so and so so that's very cool but I guess a typical day what does it look like so there's different areas of the law that I practice in and there's different teams that I work with. So my day generally revolves around what are the priorities of the teams that I work with. So to give you a sense, I help support our marketing teams for our brand marketing, social marketing, digital across Fox Sports, across our streaming products. So KO, Sports, Binge and Flash. If there is a big campaign coming up, a lot of my day will be dedicated to helping them with their campaign, whether it's devising claims, whether it's reviewing material that they've come up with, whether it's working through scripts, reviewing imagery, that sort of a thing. That's always a lot of fun. I also work with our partnerships team. So I work on partnership agreements, executing offers, marketing materials that support these offers, and then managing kind of the end-to-end customer journey process for redeeming those. I also help work, um, support our production um, and sport broadcast team, which is very cool. So the kinds of work that I would do there is working on on-screen talent, commentator, ambassador deals, which is working with their managers and our production guys more than the star themselves but it is very satisfying when you're typing up the agreement and you think oh so and so might read this but not always the case working with production companies our teams that do production in-house but also the outside broadcast teams our advertising sales teams who brief in different advertising sports that get integrated into our broadcasts and also you know in-house productions and promotions and and shoots and that sort of a thing so my day is never the same <laughs> highly unpredictable (laughs) yeah I'm gathering I'm I'm not sure if you can think of a typical day a typical day might be that anything could happen yes exactly I think anything could happen my typical day is and if we go over by the last couple of years I have uh, a daily whip with my team and then the rest of the day is kind of just open to whatever the business needs me to do. (laughs) So whether it's reviewing a contract, jumping on a call and running through a campaign, whether it's reviewing a new customer journey, whether it's looking at a new product feature and going through, you know, what the the legal kind of requirements might be around implementing that, notifying customers about changes. There is really not been two days that have been the same since I started, (laughs) which is, it's fabulous because it keeps you on your toes. It means that there is no such thing as a boring day, which is great, but it can be challenging sometimes because you need to make sure that you're getting all your work done because there are things that take obviously more than a day to do but sometimes the ad hoc tasks take up a lot of time as well so it's a balancing act but definitely no typical day. What kind of uh, practical tools do you use to manage your matters and your time and, and just make sure that you're kind of keeping all of the balls in the air? Is there anything in particular that you've found helpful? I am a big fan of the trusty traditional to-do list. (laughs) Yes, love that. And I found that it's much more satisfying to physically write that down. I tried the the digital version and it just wasn't really for me because I wasn't feeling as satisfied. So between my trusty to-do list, which I write down, and my inbox, that's how kind of I manage what I need to do or what is on my list of things I need to get to or I'm I need to give feedback on and I work through where I work through that and I try and revise my to-do list on a Monday morning over a cup of coffee before my first meeting to make sure I know what my priorities are for the week 
And then on a Friday afternoon, it's a nice cathartic task because I cross off things throughout the week, but I like to get a fresh page and write down my list for the week ahead. And if it's a really crazy Friday, I don't get to it sometimes and it becomes a Monday task. It's good to end the week with that and also to reflect on what kind of have accomplished in the week before. That's It's very basic, I have to say, and not foolproof, but it's is a great way to stay accountable and very satisfying when you do finish something because you just cross it off the list. <laughs> you know, it just, it's kind of occurred to me that it, it's something that you you have to have and bring an attribute of, of being a self-starter and being very conscious of your time when you're in-house and when you're coming uh, to a junior role as well, because no one is looking over your shoulder necessarily, making sure that all of the tasks are done. Like if the tasks aren't done, you're going to find out about it because your business partner is going to be very, very frustrated with you. And, you know, you really do have to have those skills of time management and finding ways to keep yourself accountable. And I I suppose we have practice through law school when we're kind of studying and getting through that. But it's a skill that honestly, I think is is so underrated, particularly for our roles. I couldn't agree more. I think the fact that you are very much running your own show and as a junior, of course, your teams will give you assistance and guidance and it's easier when we're all in the office together and in a remote world, I can't imagine the difficulty some juniors have kind of faced and the challenges because they don't have that learning by absorbing and having people there to help them manage their workloads. But staying on top of your work and managing your time are really important. And I think when you know that you're running out of time, it's really important to put your hand up and talk to the people that work with you and say, look, I don't, I don't have capacity to do this. Can you help? Or being honest and open with your, your clients internally. So for example, uh, if you're working on reviewing a contract and you know that the vendor or the third party that you're working with will not start the work until that contract is finalized and signed there's obviously a lot more urgency behind it but in a lot of situations they're happy just to start with the work while you work on this in the background and there's no major red flags that would necessarily stop them from starting to provide services and that can alleviate the pressure so it's good to be open and understand time frames because people don't always tell you when they need things by that's an always an important question to ask Um, And it can also help you with managing your work um, and your workload because if you get sent 10 things in a day but half of them don't actually need to be actioned for a while or don't have that urgency behind them, you get a lot less stress (laughs) and anxiety. (laughs) Um, So asking the question is always important, I think, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point. I want to ask about myths (laughs) that might surround your industry and if there was any one myth in particular that you wanted to debunk okay so my first is just a myth about the legal industry I think and I don't know if this is just a running joke that people think that the legal industry is quite rigid and lawyers are very one-dimensional but for me I think lawyers have a really unique ability to cut through the nitty-gritty and get to the real crux of the issue. And if you ask a lawyer a question and they struggle to get to the point, I think you need to really make sure you have asked them the right question because sometimes people come to you with like fluffy legal queries or they're not really sure if there's a legal issue at stake. But I think lawyers have a great ability to cut through and get you the answer that you need and also take a lot of other factors into account as opposed to just giving you that legal lens. And I think partly because I work in-house, that's part of my role. I think that that's something I didn't really understand about lawyers that 
our role is much more commercial than legal when you're working in kind of corporate law. So that's something that I've, I've learned. And also lawyers are, lawyers are a lot of fun as well. They're not very rigid. <laughs> they love to have a good time. But, you know, we've all got our own passions and interests. And because I get to work in an area that I'm quite passionate about and the people around me are, it just shows you that you can love what you do and you don't have to see it just as work. So I guess that also makes you a bit more relaxed about your approach and a bit more approachable and the subject matter is a bit more relatable, which helps you cut through and get to the actual crux of issues that people are asking you. That's so wonderful. I just want to take a pause there and and hone in on what you said about really loving what you do and linking your career to a passion. And what what a sensational melding that you've been able to craft for yourself. And I have a similar experience in my career and it took, it took a while to get there, but I feel like you just knew exactly who you are, exactly what you wanted, and you've gone out there and you've really created your dream job for yourself and it's it's possible i just i want to just congratulate you for having the courage to know who you are and what you want putting it out there and going after it because it, it's so like life is short and and that is such a wonderful way to to live to wake up and to be excited and we can do it as lawyers we absolutely can oh 100 percent a hundred percent. Thank you. That's really lovely. Thank you, Mel. I'm assuming people think that work is just work and that it's a means to an end, but we spend so much of our times there, our time during the day there, our time of our life there. We, we study to get a job a lot of the time. And whilst it can just be that means to an end, it's so much more satisfying when you are able to in, enjoy it and you feel fulfillment from what you do. And I do not take it lightly that I work in my dream job and that I've been here because I was passionate and an opportunity came up, but I'm sure I helped make it happen. But there was a lot of luck, that kind of timing and that sort of a thing as well. But yeah, I I don't take it lightly because I know that I'm very fortunate to be in that position. But I suppose there was a there was definitely a point in time where I didn't know if I was going to get into the industry that I wanted to. And I didn't even know if this was the industry that I wanted to get into because I didn't have the opportunity. And then when I got it and I knew that's what I wanted, I knew I was going to make it happen one way or another. And whether it was going to be immediate or something that happened in the medium or long term, future it was fantastic to know I had kind of an end game and not that I'm saying this is end game (laughs) but it's really satisfying to know that I'm very happy with what I do and that it feels like a fun way to spend my day not just a job so I'm glad that I'm glad that comes across It sure does. It sure does. You, you, when you, you speak with people who really are passionate about what they're doing, it just shines. And I, I just think it's so wonderful that I can, this podcast can promote you as an example of, you know, being able to, to have that life. And it's totally possible because you cannot be what you cannot see. And so if the, there are people like us out in the industry, shining our light and putting ourselves out there, which, which takes courage, the others coming through the ranks of the next generation can look ahead and go, oh, okay, wow, you, you can be a lawyer at Foxtel? What? You can be a lawyer, you know, wherever it may be, that's, that's kind of sparking that curiosity in that person but telling our stories and putting ourselves out there and and showing showing these paths uh it's the privilege that we have which which wasn't available before social media as as easily i think so yeah good on you for for just like living your best life girl and putting it out there (laughs) i love it i want to ask what your second myth was Uh, Thank you. This is, I think, maybe short and sweet, but because I work in sports media, I think there's a general perception that it's very male dominated and there's not potentially not as much 
room for growth for women. I have to say that is the exact opposite of the experience that I've had. It's so fantastic and refreshing to see the promotion and the encouragement of young women and women of all ages and all backgrounds to get involved and to pursue sports media if that is their passion and i'm so lucky that every day i'm surrounded by wonderful strong intelligent passionate women who love what they do and who are not afraid to help others in that field and get into that field and encourage them to achieve all they can because the support is so important. But I have to say, it's not just the support from the wonderful females around me. It's also the wonderful males who work around us and encourage us. And I look around my office and we've got a lot of wonderful female leaders and executives. And for an industry that I think is more traditionally perceived as male dominated, I don't see that at all working inside that place inside that industry so I guess it's a good little insight that maybe people don't see absolutely I wouldn't have expected that at all I would have thought the myth would still hold true so that is awesome no and look I have to say perhaps it's my organization that's a bit of a standout but it's been a wonderful experience and I think as a as a young woman who's very passionate about sports it's very refreshing to see that side of it and to know that there are great opportunities to encourage that amongst the wider industry because I think the legal profession has tipped in terms of uh, there's more females working as lawyers I think than males these days that was probably last year I think that that's what the statistics showed and I think in-house positions and in media and in sports are probably starting to reflect that as well so it's just something I wanted to put out there because it's not something that I expected and as you just said potentially something that others didn't expect either. No not at all I wouldn't have thought um, but I love to hear it. Thank you. Great to debunk that one. (laughs) Callie, can you tell us what the best piece of career advice is that you've ever been given? This is an interesting one. I don't think I've potentially sought out a lot of career advice. I've kind of absorbed what has been generally given. But this is some advice that I got from an old boss. And they said, don't be afraid to be confident and let your light shine where you know it's your passion and where you know you have something to give. And that's so important, I think, because a lot of young lawyers will be hesitant to potentially suggest something because they're worried about being shut down or not having enough experience. But I think it's really important to have that self-confidence to, even if it's just to confide in someone who you're working on a project with of an idea that you have that might improve it or being confident enough just to ask a question if you're unsure about something, being confident to put yourself out there, to reach out to someone, to have a chat, to ask someone a career-related question, to ask someone, how did you get into that role and what practical advice can you give me or do you know anyone who works here that I could potentially have a coffee with? I'd love to understand a bit more about that. And confidence comes in lots of different ways and I know that it's difficult sometimes to reach out and put yourself out there but I think if you want to pursue something if you've got a passion about something and you've got a great support network around you you can help make things happen you just need to kind of take that first step and if this is what it takes to get people to say you know what yes I'm going to reach out to that person I'm going to have that chat with my boss because I want to get involved in this project I hope it does because there are definitely times when I first started in my career and I saw that there were efficiencies potentially in a process and I didn't really speak out and say I think maybe we should do it this way or why don't we try this and I feel like if I had my time again I would have said those things earlier it took me a while to get there but as soon as you do it makes a world of difference because you feel so much more confident and comfortable in what you do and in your skin that 
it feels more like less like a job not more like anything else but less like a job I think when when you start to have that self-confidence and belief because you realize that you can contribute in a lot of different ways and help in a lot of different ways in what you you know whatever it is that you're doing whether it's a your studies or your career really or you're just your personal life but if it's a career related one I think confidence is um self-confidence is really important I love it you've got to back yourself because nobody else will like you will for yourself very true very true and whilst it's very some people are very fortunate and I know I am to have great support network of people that will back me they don't know if they've just met me whether they're going to back me or not but what I put out there will help build that confidence in other people in me as well. So it kind of works both ways. You've got to manifest it, put it out there, and the universe will kind of give it back to you, I think. Yeah, I get that. No, I absolutely understand that. You you really have to think to yourself, I think, when you're in those moments of fear and doubt, I I often say to myself, well, what's, what's the best that can happen? Not what's the worst, but I want to send this email. I want to ask Callie to be on the podcast. Okay, now I don't know her, but like, what's the best that can happen? She's going to say, yes, we're going to meet. We're going to form a new relationship. I get to tell her story and uh, and a whole wonderful host of things will come from that interaction, no doubt. And so I asked you and here we are and it's actually happening. And that happens, you know, daily. What's the best that could happen if I put my hand up for that secondment? What's the best that could happen if I express this area uh, that I'm interested in and that I, I want to work on that matter at the moment? And what's the best that could happen if I send that DM or that LinkedIn request and ask, as you say, for a cup of coffee and a catch up to, to see uh, how someone got the role that they got? And, you know, often people are really nice <laughs> and people are really helpful. <laughs> That's been my experience. I agree. People are really great (laughs) in my experience I've seen that as well I think some people maybe don't expect the approach the direct approach but that doesn't mean that anyone who's ever tapped me on the shoulder and said I'd love to chat to you about your work and your career I've always been chuffed looking around really me you want to talk to me (laughs) when you messaged me to chat on the podcast I thought really you want to talk to me (laughs) you're so humble girl of course I did (laughs) thank you I think you'll uh, if you want to chat to someone, a lot of the time you'll probably surprise them. They'll be more than happy to speak to you or to point you in the direction of someone who can help you or anything like that because we've all been in that position where we haven't really known where where the next step was or have had a question that we wanted answered and it goes a long way. Pay it forward. So I think a lot of people have that shared mentality. Absolutely. We we received the benefit of wonderful mentors and I, I'm sure we both still continue to and we pass that forward. We pay them back by, you know, giving our time to the, the next generation or to other people that might be interested in hearing our stories. And, and it's just this collective kind of agreement that I think our industry has. And it's a really it is a really wonderful part of of the profession where I do think we we do try to help and and speak out and and we do like to share stories and connect with each other and network it it does seem to be that perhaps in-house more than maybe other areas of the profession I can't speak to what it's like at a bar or or perhaps in in government but for my experience we really do want to share because we found a way that really works for us and a way to practice that wasn't taught to us or wasn't on the law school brochure and we we found it we were like what this is amazing let me tell the others so I couldn't agree more that is exceptional advice back yourself have that confidence and you know it takes practice too doesn't it over time you like you say it feels less like a chore or a job and you just back yourself and and say the thing and and move on with with whatever the outcome is 
Yes, no, exactly right. I think take that first step and the second and third will be so much easier once you've taken that first one. Well said. So I want to ask you about resources and things that have really helped you along the way in your career and even more particular as an in-house lawyer, something that is practical that you would suggest to someone starting out into their legal career? I think resources is a really great question that you've asked here because for me, I I hear that word resources and I think, oh, written resources or when do you listen to? How do you consume it? For me, my greatest resources have been surrounding myself with great people that have taught me a lot. And this is, I guess, a piece of advice that I give to a lot of, you know, people that I know that don't really know how to take that next step or want to grow their network or want to understand more about an industry is there are a lot of people in that same position. And a lot of them form little societies or groups that gather and talk about areas of the law, law reform, want to deep dive into updates in privacy and data security, for example, or want to talk about the intricacies of media law. And one of the best ways that you can learn more and meet more people is to interact with them. So the Law Society's got some fantastic committees for young lawyers as well as more senior practitioners that gather regularly. They chat about all the latest and greatest in the law. They pull together their collective resources and they submit papers for consideration for law reform. They run events. I'm part of a communications and media law association. And I think going to my first ever event of theirs opened me to a fantastic world meeting wonderful people and and lawyers across the communications and media law industry. And I'm still part of that committee now. And that has helped me contribute in a lot of different ways. I now help run events. We've started our own podcast. We do a quarterly publication. I get to meet and interact with so many wonderful people all the time. And I think people are your greatest resource a lot of the time. And even though I guess it might seem a bit difficult to find which people should I go to and speak to, this is a great way of meeting a lot of different people. And it's a bit less daunting because it's regular practice to go and join a society or a committee. And they're generally open to a lot of different people who are thinking what you are. So that's a great resource that I would recommend to young lawyers. And it's a really easy and practical one to achieve as well, because you can sign up online to a lot of these. They're free, a lot of them as well. And you can go to meetings and meet people and that can potentially push you in a direction that you want to go down that you maybe didn't know, or it can introduce you to people that you, um, you know, end up being fantastic friends with. So I guess that would be my greatest resource. Love it. The, the networks are everything. <laughs> they are. They definitely are. <laughs> and often we find ourselves in-house as a bit of an island away from the business in the sense that we can't always talk about our concerns and our issues. They might be confidential or sensitive and we've got our internal team, but it can be such an incredible relief to speak to other professionals in confidence who have been through something similar in a different industry or uh, you know at a different stage of their careers and and can give us that assistance around how to work with you know a regulator or how to respond to a particular uh, submission to the government or like very interesting things that you know come up only only now and again but drawing back on our networks can be just a oh my gosh I think this the same as you the the people that I have in the in-house community and some of those uh, law society and ACC communities are just, they're just awesome. We're, we've got some really cool people, don't we, in-house? Oh my gosh, we do, we do. We're spoiled of fantastic people who make themselves available 
through these societies and committees as well. And for, for those young lawyers, I guess, who are listening and who don't know how to take that first step, and I know we spoke about confidence before and taking steps to introduce yourself to people, or ask questions, that's probably the best way to get your foot in. Go and join a, um, you know, a law society group, a committee, go to a meeting, go to an event, introduce yourself to someone. And that's how it starts. I think it's very small and you don't feel... I suppose like too much of a fish out of water because there are a lot of people that are going to be there in the exact same position as you so you know safety numbers (laughs) yes no that's excellent advice and I think that if you're even you're not even sure how to find out about these events I, I would just suggest to google to go to the law society website for the state that you live and even if you're in a regional a regional part of the state there's still events I know in Queensland that they run in North Queensland Central Queensland and Sunny Coast like they really do try to make an effort to to reach outside the capital cities but go and have a, a google and, and see what you can find and often they'll have uh, particular memberships for students as well and you can it, it can be free or reduced discount and then you get access to all of the emails and the newsletters and you'll just start to see the cadence of things and I think the curiosity will be sparked and you just have to follow that curiosity don't you, you hear like oh that event sounds interesting or maybe not that one talking about constitutional law but oh this one on telco and media and comms oh you know what's this <laughs> just follow that oh that that's awesome thank you for for sharing I know you're super humble girl but I'm gonna go here because I really want to pick your brain you are you are an award-winning lawyer like you're at the top of your field and you absolutely you know last year seemed to me outside looking in seemed to be an amazing year for recognition from the industry to you for all the things that you have done and you know that just tells me you're doing something right so I want to ask you about what you think are the attributes that make a great in-house lawyer what are you doing girl that's like kicking the goals because you are (laughs) (laughs) you're very kind Mel thank you I still kind of pinch myself I guess I I can't really use myself as an example because I think I am just who I am. But what I think makes someone a great in-house lawyer is someone who wants to understand what their business wants to achieve. So this kind of goes back to what we said before. I'm wearing the hat of a lawyer, but I'm also wearing the hat of a commercial advisor. When someone comes and asks me a question, I don't just want to give them the legal answer. I want to ask them more questions. What do you really want to get out of this? What is the ultimate goal that we're trying to achieve here? And when you get into that nitty gritty, you can better serve your clients and you can better serve your business. And it ultimately will mean that any advice that you give will help your business achieve their ultimate goals. And really, isn't that the aim of an in-house lawyer? You're supposed to be helping your business, making sure they're compliant, obviously, but also helping them achieve their end goals. And as we said earlier, sometimes people will come to you with a question and they're expecting just you to say yes or no. But sometimes the best answers are the ones where you say, yes, you can do this, but have you also thought about this? This might be a good path. This might be a great idea. So I guess having both hats and getting to understand what your business and what your clients want to achieve will help you be a better lawyer but also just a better commercial person as well because no one wants a lawyer that's just going to say yes it's fine tick the piece of paper and you know next in line or no you can't do this go come up with another idea I don't think that's particularly helpful that's just not in my nature anyway I think it's really important to help your business succeed by giving them suggestions and using your experience and using your knowledge in the best way possible so I guess that's one side of it and the other side of it is I guess attention to detail making sure that 
you are there to help pick up some pieces that perhaps your clients have missed or forgotten or adding in that that value add to something where potentially you think, oh, I think this might have been missed or have you thought about this and understanding maybe why something was overlooked or helping it get back on the table for a conversation because you do think it's important. They're sort of, I guess, the day-to-day values in in a role. But I guess more personal attributes to make someone a great in-house lawyer is someone who understands that your support network is really important to you and being that great support network for the people around you, whether that's your clients, whether that's your teammates, jumping in and helping them out. Even if it's an area you don't know because you know they're struggling, whether it's, you know, promoting something that that someone in your team is involved in getting involved and shouting about and being their kind of I guess support if something is difficult or if they've achieved something great to you know congratulate them give them a pat on the back and understand that you're part of a team which is a little bit I suppose different to private practice where you kind of work to yourself and you've got to achieve your targets and your billables and you've got to meet your specific clients needs when you work in-house you work very much in a team and your team is the other lawyers that work there with you, but also your clients and sharing in everyone's success, promoting when someone has done something great and helping people out as well. Wow. You, you just sound like the best team player, Kelly. Like I'm, that's what I'm really drawing from these values that you really, you know, place importance on. You, you're, you're thinking outside of yourself. You're thinking about how can I add value to the business? How can I be more than a lawyer and add, you know, a commercial or a practical or maybe it's an efficiency gain? You know, how can I just add a little extra so that their lives are easier? And how can I promote my team and and support my team and just make sure that everyone around me is able to have as happy and as, I I suppose, efficient workplace experience as possible, getting getting the business done and getting kind of getting out of the way and adding value and moving on. I think that you've, you've absolutely nailed it. I can see why you're, you're able to be recognized for the success and the contribution that you, you do bring to the organization. So well done on last year. It was no doubt phenomenal and hopefully more to come this year and to celebrate in person would, you know, we're just so ready for that. I, I suspect. Oh, aren't we? Aren't we? But thank you, Mel. No, that's very kind of you. I appreciate it. I am looking forward to hopefully celebrating a lot of fun occasions this year in person. But also, if we just go back to the kind of team player mentality, I just have to add in the sports analogy there. Obviously, I work in sports broadcasts and media. So, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> it's so funny. No, I think that's something that's been ingrained in me for a very long time. So it's um, a nice little, I guess, aside that I work in sports media but I think I would hope that I would bring those values doesn't matter where I work but it's a sports love and passion that helps I think <laughs> love it finally Callie my last question we have to go there I'm going to tell you my answer and then I'm going to ask you yours but I want to know what what are you watching right now you know you kind of live and breathe in this space and you support multiple brands that put out a lot of production I personally and obsessed with succession on binge you oh my gosh I can't even I'm going back through again and I'm up to season two and I've been through twice before when I say obsessed I'm obsessed with Jerry I mean the Jerry Roman thing is problematic but as a general counsel in pop culture I think she's exceptional but what are you watching right now so I'm not that as exciting because I love to re-watch and binge watch things that I've well actually you, you just said you watched Succession a couple of times, but I feel like that is a much more modern, current show. I jump between so many different ones, and I think when something new pops up, 
that looks exciting. I have to give it a go. I do watch a lot of sports, so I'll put that to the side for the moment. What what am I watching right? I just started watching Euphoria because it's getting so much media attention. It's very interesting, not like something I've watched really before. So I've just started that. So I will hold any judgment aside until I've got to the end of it because I am intrigued and I do want to keep watching. I'm binge watching Please laugh at me because it's so funny. The Vampire Diaries, which was an old favorite that I loved. I feel like I'm a teenager again. No, I feel like I'm a teenager again, honestly. It's just a nice escape. I never did that one. We all had our vampire thing is like it's a thing. I had Twilight and then True Blood, but I never had the Vampire Diaries. Maybe I've I've missed out on the, the trifecta there. Oh, look, it, it's it's fantastic in its own right, and I have no shame in saying that. <laughs> and I do jump between a lot of the other ones as well. I just watched um, And Just Like That, which was the Sex in the City reboot, which was very interesting. I liked it. I really liked it. Like, it was honestly, it was cringy, but the nostalgia. Oh, and Charlotte, I'm obsessed with the outfits still. I know. It is. It's the nostalgia. I think that's probably why I'm re-watching shows that I've loved before, because you know it reminds me of a great time yeah when life was simple and we I don't know we felt a little more stable in life and plans maybe I don't know I know I know and I've got on my watch list drive to survive formula one because I've heard fantastic things about it so it's on my list amazing oh there's there's some great recommendations I mean who doesn't love to binge something I mean that's another story for another day but I'm sure that during the pandemic the streaming services and and that part of your business was just you know exploding with with new attention but uh, I'll just make that assumption and leave it there because that maybe that was just my house but (laughs) in any event Callie I'm going to wrap it up there we're at the top of the hour and I'm so grateful to have had you for a, a little moment in time this Saturday morning thank you for for setting us some of your weekend to speak with me and share you know just incredible wisdom and, and advice you you do shine a light you are an incredible I think advocate for pursuing your passion and doing that as a lawyer and it's entirely possible so thank you for all that you do for the profession for just just being just being you it's been great to meet thank you so much Mel for your very lovely words there and for having me it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Council. Please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review for this show. Tell me what you'd love to hear more of and where you're listening from. To learn more about in-house practice, follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram 